Welcome to SLP Full Disclosure, the podcast for SLPs by SLPs, where we deep dive into a variety of topics to empower, educate, and entertain. Join us each episode to hear from expert guests and topics that matter most. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and let's jump into this episode. Hello and welcome to SLP Full Disclosure. I'm one of your hosts, Jennifer Martin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Hunter. Hello. And today I am so excited to introduce our special guest. Her name is Carrie, and she has been in our field for over 13 years. After graduating from the University of Texas at Austin, she has allowed her career to take her around the world and back, every SLP's dream. And for the past past decade, she's worked as an international SLP. And so we are very excited today to hear about her adventures and maybe how we can go on our own one day. So welcome to the show, Carrie. Hi, thanks for having me. So Carrie, I know that Alyssa has had the opportunity to speak with you, but I have not. And so I am dying to ask you a million questions. But I think the first one that, you know, I want to know and probably most people want to know is just, you know, you've worked around the world as an SLP. So just kind of give us a recap of some of the places that you've lived and worked for the past decade. Okay. Well, um, my international journey started, um, I guess, yeah, over 10 years ago. It's hard to believe I've been an SLP for 13. Um, but I, um, you know, had been working in Austin in a school setting and I was, you know, dating someone and, um, they had applied to, to medical school in Australia. So I looked into it and I ended up, um, getting a work and holiday visa. And I found out that, um, Australia has reciprocity, um, for therapists for speech language pathology. So I, you know, did all of that paperwork and I ended up working, um, in local hospitals, um, three different local hospitals in, um, Adelaide, South Australia. And I did that for a whole year. So, um, with the work and holiday visa, you, um, have to, you can only do six months at a time. And then you have to like take um, a certain amount of time off. So I was able to do different contracts, um, at those local hospitals between, you know, the year that I was there. So I started at like the veterans hospital in, um, South Australia in acute care. And then I was able to go to Flinders medical center and to the queen Elizabeth hospital as well and do acute care, um, with adults in those settings. And then from there, um, I broke up with that, um, guy and I came back to America and I was, you know, working, um, at a SNF, a skilled nursing facility back by my parents who were from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And, um, you know, I wasn't super satisfied with the, the setting and I wasn't sure where I was heading, but a healthcare recruiter, um, saw that I, you know, had experience in Australia and had, had, been abroad and, um, they were looking for a speech therapist for, um, a U.S. contractor, um, in the, in the middle of the Marshall Islands. So the Marshall Islands are about five hours from Honolulu and five hours from Guam. So they're, they're a tiny, um, island chain in the middle of the Pacific ocean that 
potentially um, could disappear in the next 30 years due to climate change. Um, but I worked out there as their SLP for their school system and early intervention in some ways um, for three years. So I did that. Um, and that was, you know, way different than Australia, of course. Um, it's an island that's only seven miles around. Everyone bikes. Um, there's no cell phones. There was no um, high-speed internet um, in, in, like, your living quarters when I was out there. I think there is now. Um, so that was really different. Um, and then from there, I ended up um, applying um, with the Department of Defense, so with the U.S. government, um, to work as a speech therapist in schools in, um, well, you know, you just apply basically with DODIA, the Department of Defense, and then they will offer you interviews, whatever they, they have in terms of uh, positions. So I was interviewed for a position in Germany, um, and I ended up moving to Germany um, and living there um, almost six years and being a speech therapist on the Air Force bases um, uh, in Spangdalem, Germany and Bitburg, Germany, which is on the border of Luxembourg, um, it's close to Trier. So um, on like the, the Western side of Germany. Um, so I ended up doing that, yeah, for six years. So I think that's most of the recap of my last most of my traveling. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a journey. That's amazing. Do you have mm -hmm. a favorite place that you've been to of those three? Um, I don't know. I mean, in some ways they're all favorites for like different reasons, you know, um, like Australia, I really loved working in public health care, um, you know, where it was free for everyone and I could see patients and, um, I really appreciated the, the mentoring that system that their medical system had really set up, um, in terms of, you know, like modified having to be trained for modified barium swallows and, or even, you know, like that we sat down to tea with doctors and things like that. Um, the Marshall Islands, you know, I, I appreciate, I don't know, that culture, the island culture, um, and that it is so isolated, you know, the community there is, is really exceptional. Um, and, you know, it's essentially working almost for like a private school system there. So, you know, you could kind of make your paperwork up as, as it goes. Um, so it was a little more maybe lax in terms of, you know, and, um, some of the, the, the paperwork you can get into with the school system. And then of course, Germany, you know, it was just like, you could travel anywhere in Europe, um, basically where we were living and, and more. I mean, you know, there's such cheap travel in Germany and, you know, I, and I also really enjoyed working for the military community there. Um, you know, like they come for their IEP meetings and, um, there's, you know, some really great faculty members that I've gotten to work with over the years there as well. So, I mean, each place, like they're all just so different, I guess, you know, that in some ways they are favorites. <laughs> I would go back to all of them, I guess, in some ways. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head that we talked to so many therapists who maybe they're not traveling around the world, but they Mm -hmm. are traveling between different settings. And that Mm -hmm. idea of just pulling out these positive points, like each job has things that are challenging and things that are wonderful. And I love that you view them all as your favorite because you're just (laughs) such a positive person. And so um, that's really, that's really special. So when you were in graduate school, did you always know you wanted to use speech therapy as a vehicle to work abroad? Oh, no, that that was definitely not even I don't I don't even think I really like heard of those opportunities, um, at least not in the graduate school program I was at. I mean, I knew that it was you know, something that I could work in a variety of settings, like, and that was appealing to me, you know, I've never said that I'm only an adult person, or I'm only a kid person. And, you know, like, I've always loved that our career gives us such flexibility, and ability to to say, like, hey, I want to take a leap and go into something completely different um, as well. Um, But I didn't know necessarily that there were opportunities per se. Um, yeah, I just, I didn't know they were available, um, in terms of that I could make it all the way around the world. And basically I've been to, you know, pretty much every continent. Yeah. Like with, with not Antarctica, of course, there's no speech in Antarctica, I don't think, but I have, (laughs) I have met researchers from that lived in the Marshall islands that also contracted in Antarctica. So that's kind of cool, right? Like you don't always meet those people either. Um, But yeah, it definitely wasn't something that, I mean, you know, any of my professors, I guess, had done or like clinical, you know, um, people that were lecturing either. I hadn't, they didn't like tell me about it, I guess. Yeah. And I know, um, you know, there's just as travel therapy, when Mm -hmm. I was finishing school, I've, I've actually, I know you said you can't believe 13 years. I've been out longer and I can't also believe it. But, you know, travel therapy wasn't something that was, you know, advertised as it is mm-hmm. now, yeah. you know, but the, even more so, you know, working abroad. I remember when I had been out of grad school for a few years and I saw an ad, I don't know if it was the ASHA leader or where it was, but it was for a position in New Zealand. And I had applied and was actually going to be taking that position, but then, you know, life events happen and I didn't, but they're definitely not such that you have to, it seems that you have to go searching for them, that they're not just, you know, like, oh, schools, hospitals, but you don't, you have to really look for those uh, work abroad positions. Did you feel that way? Yeah. I mean, definitely like especially when I was just, um, like when I was going to Australia, I mean, that was all on my own that like, I figured out, Hey, there's like reciprocity. Um, and I could get, you know, my license over there and I did my visa, you know, all by myself or whatever. I, I remember I had to like go submit an actual x-ray of my chest, you know, to make sure I didn't have TV or, you know, anything like that. Um, and that was, all my own footwork. Like it wasn't something that I found on the Asher website, um, at all. And so, but I guess in the, even trying to find positions over there, it was much better when I got there. That's when I found that the hospitals were in fact hiring, um, because, you know, it was kind of hard to, to, um, I guess, yeah, to find the positions advertised, 
And I have to say that like the one for the Marshall Islands, um, I, the recruiter contacted me. They had been trying to find someone to come out there um, for this contract for over like 18 months. Um, It's actually like a small army base and the commander's daughter qualified for speech therapy. Um, and so they were really trying to hire this position and the recruiter, you know, she contacted me and, um, I have to say I was not like the best at, at following up with her, but she did pass on my information to the principal of the school. And he called my parents' house, um, looking to talk to me and to try and convince me to come out to the Marshall Islands. So, you know, sometimes like I felt like things just ended up working out, but it's also all about timing. Like I was ready to go. And other times I think we get so set in, in our, you know, like, Oh, I have to fulfill this contract or in our, in our, what we're already doing, I guess. Whereas I think sometimes with like travel therapy, you have to be willing to like take that leap or, you know, say like, Hey, there's a lot of things I'm going to have to do. And it's going to be stressful, um, for this certain amount of period, getting the visa, getting my cats there or getting the housing located. Um, so it is a lot to take on sometimes, but in the end, it usually ends up, you know, being, you know, very worth it. I find, I guess. Yeah. And I think that piece you said about, you know, oftentimes once you get there, if there is a country you're really dying to work in and you're able to, especially Mm -hmm. with that reciprocity that, you know, there are positions, but you almost have to be there sometimes to find them. So I think that's where people get stuck because it's Mm -hmm. like that fear of like, oh, I don't want to go there and not, you know, have this or that. But it sounds like you have just such an adventurous spirit that you're, you know, with, with a lot of risk and often comes, comes a lot of reward. So it sounds like that's. Yeah, definitely. Well, especially with Australia, because it was such a risk, like for self moving there with like an ex, but, um, the definitely, um, like the contracts, like once I was there and they found out there was someone good hire, um, cause what they were doing a lot of times I would get like the maternity leave since they have such a uh, longer maternity leave. Uh, they would be trying to fill therapist positions and knowing, you know, someone's going to come back in a year or maybe two years. Um, once they found out there was like a hireable person that wanted to do contract work, then, you know, like the minute my one ended, like I already had another hospital lined up. So, I mean, I feel like definitely being on the ground sometimes is, is worthwhile as well. Cause a lot of like countries like Australia or the UK or, you know, um, they need therapists just Mm -hmm. like the U S does. So once you have like your license and the visa to be there, they are ready to snatch you up or ready to, you know, work with you in terms of finding a position. I think there's even some places in Australia where you can, you know, have a stipend if you're willing to live like in the middle of the country Um, (laughs) and other places or be really adventurous. So, well, and I've, personally been to Australia and Germany, and I know they're very different. Um, mm-hmm. I have not been to the Marshall Islands. I can only imagine that's even more different. So mm-hmm. what was the, you know, because these places are also different and, you know, coming from mm-hmm. another country completely, what was that transition like each time you moved to a new country? You know, how did you prepare for each of those moves? Um, well, I think, you know, you can only prepare so much sometimes. Like, um, trying to think, you know, Australia, obviously, like I had to 
you know, sell all my stuff and, and get all the visa stuff worked out and everything. Um, for the Marshall Islands, it was once again, kind of like a lot of paperwork and, and, you know, making sure that you know, had all the background checks and things like that to, to be on them. It's technically, you know, a U.S. military base there and in, in the clearances. And then Germany too, it was a lot of paperwork. And that time I was like traveling with a, an animal. So there was like paperwork for the cat and, you know, the cat almost didn't make it on the flight and everything, you know, because I didn't have the right size carrier. So there's always just like all these little things you think you're prepared for that can, you know, kind of cause stress. Um, you know, I guess for me, you know, even though I did international therapy, I still was going to places that were primarily English speaking. So the fact that I was working at, um, you know, military bases or islands that are, are contracted by the military or Australia, obviously, um, is English speaking. Um, I always had, you know, like a community where, um, I was able to get questions easily answered. Um, so I can't say like I'm a true international therapist and that I like jumped into like a country where I, you know, I didn't know the language or, um, you know, that I was, uh, or that I lived in like a Spanish speaking country and was speaking Spanish or, you know, bilingual therapist. Um, so I guess I just, you know, always, I don't know how to phrase it or how to say Sounds it. Sounds like you just I, had faith that things would work. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of times I didn't think about it too much, like, um, were necessarily where I was always landing. Um, so maybe that's like a good thing that yeah. I wasn't super over researching that I was going to live in the German countryside and like there would be no streetlights and I would be afraid to drive or something for the first year, but, um, <laughs> it, it did tend to work out. It's just, yeah, you do have to, I think have a lot of faith or like, like strength to keep going. Like even when there's maybe some like challenges. Sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that mm -hmm. one of the most intimidating things and in thinking about working somewhere else, whether it be within the country or somewhere else is that licensing process or abroad, that visa process, mm -hmm. how, what type of recommendations would you give to our listeners out there who are feeling kind of like impeded by the idea of having to apply for additional licensures or visas mm -hmm. to get to where they want to be? Like um, what types of steps did you take to figure that out? Well, I mean, you know, like a lot of them, a lot like for Australia, you know, just going to like their ASHA equivalent kind of would walk you through the process in terms of um, what you need to do for, for their um, license. And it was pretty straightforward. I mean, it was just like applying for like another state license. I felt like, um, you know, having to have your transcripts and, you know, um, your current C's and things like that. So I felt like Australia is pretty straightforward. And then really for working abroad in terms of working with the U S government, um, you know, once again, they just want to see what is your current state license there, um, and your, you know, current ASHA certification. And then they basically just certify that and they give you like their, like, 
license or that you are, you know, you meet the requirements to be a speech therapist in the Department of Defense system. So to me, like those processes weren't that crazy. The visa, you know, with Department of Defense, um, you just get a different type of passport and you get the stamp within your, um, within that passport that says you're eligible. It's the SOPA agreement that you're eligible to work in that country. And, you know, that was just part of like the hiring process in terms of, you know, working with the government. Um, For the Marshall Islands, I was technically an international contractor. So the, the only, some of the tricky parts with that, um, was, was that when I came back to the U S I could only be in the U S for like 30 days at a time, or then I would, uh, you know, be subject to subject to pay, um, uh, taxes, U S taxes. Um, so some of those things can be a little bit tricky to figure out as well. Um, especially if you're doing true international work, um, you know, you definitely, need to give yourself some time. Like it's not something that happens overnight. Usually the process for like licensing a visa, I would say is at least like, I think the quickest, maybe like a month or so, you know, in terms of working those things out. Um, but I haven't really looked into like what licensee would be like to, to, I don't know if you just went to China and you're like, Hey, I want to be a therapist. Well, I know know when I was looking at the New Zealand position, because it was, and I don't know if this is still the case now, this has been several years, but because it was a position they needed filled quickly, they had um, kind of a rush visa process Mm -hmm. where they were going to be able to process it faster than usual. Did you, do you know if that's still the case? If they, or if it's a position that's, I think for Australia, so I know for Australia, if they're, if they need your job, it does, I think, make your visa go faster. Like they'll have a list of what jobs they're looking for and in what territories and speech, like since I was going to South Australia was on that list. So I'm sure that might've, you know, helped my visa. And they also like, sometimes visas have interesting stipulations, like which ones you apply for. Like, I think there are, some in Australia, like you have to be under a certain age, like, or, you know, if you're going to apply it, like in terms of if you have a family and things, you know, so that's, that's the other tricky part. Most of what I, most of my visas were always, you know, just me as a single, single person. So, you know, a therapist with a family, there might be, you know, other things that they would have to go through as well. Interesting. What's funny is when I hear you talk about this, the international licensing and visas, it really Mm -hmm. does not sound too much more difficult than um, state-to-state licensing these days. I mean, it's just a lot of details and time and just being patient and making sure you're reading all of the details and the steps. And once Mm -hmm. you do it, it's done. Um, And then wait a few months and you get everything (laughs) figured out. So that that kind of feels good to hear as as someone who also has been like, oh, I wonder if I could ever do this job abroad. And so um, mm-hmm. that's cool. Have you ever felt like when you are doing services in another country, I know that some of them were on, you know, military bases, so maybe it was more um, American cultured families, but did you ever feel like the local culture impacted your service delivery or what types of things you had to be working on? Yeah. Um, so definitely like there were funny things. So even, um, 
you know, like in Australia, they speak English, obviously. Um, but like a lot of times they would have terminology or slang that I just, you know, would have to kind of find out about, you know, like, like breakfast, they called brekkie or McDonald's is Macker's. Um, so working there in the hospitals, you know, I was doing a lot of, um, dysphagia treatment. So I would have to, you know, like order meals a lot of times. And I just remember like, they had so many tea times. Like I would always be on the the line with like the kitchen person. They'd be like, well, what do you want for this tea? And what about this tea and this tea? So, you know, just funny things like that. You know, I just like had to kind of learn some of their customs and, and, um, and slang or terminology that they would use. Um, in the Marshall Islands, you know, um, I did work more with Marshallese people and you had to learn some of like their culture in terms of, you know, how they felt about, you know, children with disabilities or, um, how, um, you know, they're like, so they're matriarchal society and then how family members, you may be talking with like a dad, but it might be an uncle that also has taken, has decided to take on his brother's kids as, as his own. So just some of those different dynamics, um, in terms of making sure that, you know, we were providing good services and, and, that they were informed and everything too. Um, and also like learning about like Marshallese culture, like they're a very impoverished nation and you know, what they struggle with day to day, just even trying to get, um, you know, come to like the Island that we were on for school services or, you know, um, to, to try and get jobs, um, through the U S I'm trying to think, um, German. And when I was in Germany, it, it was mostly on the base. So we didn't do that much outreach, um, in terms of, you know, like being on going to German schools or anything like that. So I don't know if there's so much impact there, but there's, um, the impact of like learning the military culture as well. I mean, like there's, um, you know, chain of command and how schools handle, um, things on, on the base and, and where the school kind of fits in, um, within the base as well. And, and how, um, you know, basically like if someone's not coming like to their IEP meeting, like you could talk to like their command and say, Hey, you know, like, um, this person's not fulfilling like their obligation as a parent. So that was kind of different for me, um, in terms of you have to learn, learn some of that culture as well. Um, especially coming from like an Island culture where like literally like the phone numbers were only four digits long and you could just like see someone in the grocery store and, and, you know, be like, Hey, you know, can you come to this meeting or we got to talk about this or that. And so, I mean, each place like has its own impact, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, and you touched a little bit on this and, but, um, I really interested to just kind of the overall, and maybe, you know, this will depend, be, it will be different, you know, depending whether it's Australia, Marshall Islands, Germany, yeah. but just the overall perception of, you know, disabilities, did it, did you get the sense? And again, you can talk on any of them or one specific one, did you get the sense that, you know, is it like, seem like it's necessary and important that they get therapy or was there a sense that, oh, they just need time um, and it's not that big of a deal? You know, what were your overall impressions of that? 
And I also am curious yeah. as well as a follow-up of that is just, yeah. I feel like here a lot of times, you know, whether, you know, we're in medical schools, that there's a lot of people don't really understand what it is, you know, speech pathologists do. So did you also feel like you had to explain at each of these different places kind of like, oh, this is my role? Mm, that's a good question. Um, so Australia, I would say definitely very like pro therapy. I mean, I was working in the acute care, um, wards there and, um, the great thing with, you know, public or free healthcare, I didn't have to, um, explain, you know, why I was picking up a patient, um, to insurances or, you know, I didn't have to, um, you know, write new orders, um, to continue seeing a patient. Um, so I felt like there, you know, they're very like, whatever the patient needs, they're going to get now, sometimes, you know, depending on like the patient's, uh, cognition level, did they always, you know, did we, did I still have that same conversation of like, what am I doing for you? What am I providing for you as a speech language uh, pathologist? Yes, of course. You know, I, I feel like that, in every setting, wherever I've been, that's still something that comes up, you know, whether it's in the, has been in the school setting abroad or, um, in the, in the acute care setting or in the hospital setting too. I still think like, that's one thing, you know, our, our, um, our career, like, I don't know how we ever like fully explain to people what we do. <laughs> Sometimes, so, sometimes we don't even know. I know. <laughs> it's like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> so many know. things. Yeah. So, and, and it is hard, you know, like, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still remember patients in Australia, like, oh, you, you know, you're a pretty, pretty girl. And I like talking with you, but you know, what are we really doing here? Or, or um, you know, having to have some of those conversations with, the, with um, geriatric patients for sure. Um, and I mean, I, in the schools, um, I, you know, the Marshall Islands, I definitely, uh, felt like I was needed. Like I said, the commander, they had been looking, um, for a speech therapist to do articulation therapy, um, for his daughter in the school. I, there was a, a patient, well, a student who came up, um, you know, midway through there that it, it's kind of like a funny story, but, um, she ended up on the Island with cochlear implants and she's a, a 15 month old, uh, little girl. And we were kind of like, how did you end up getting medically cleared to be out here? You know, the Marshall Islands, they have like one little hospital. They don't deliver babies anymore. I mean, they, any kind of huge medical, um, events, you know, you are taken off the island, you know, you go back to Honolulu for services. Um, so we were kind of like surprised that, um, that clearance had, had happened. Um, and all of a sudden we had to create more like early intervention, you know, we had had, I had been like the school therapist, but we had to get permission to, to do uh, therapy, um, in that way. So that was kind of interesting to have to explain to like a contract company, like, Hey, this is, that, you know, we need to be able to see this, this little one. She, you know, needs some speech services or that early intervention piece and some monitoring. Um, so that was a little bit of a challenge in, in that, um, in setting. And then on the military base, I mean, um, you know, special ed services are clearly lined out. Um, you know, they're following, uh, IDEA and, and all the, the U S laws. Um, you know, but 
I feel like, yeah, still in the school setting, you would still get some things of like, well, don't you just do R's and W's, you know, and, you know, dealing like with the preschool population over there. Um, we'd a lot of times get, you know, children that had more needs than our base could provide. And, you know, explaining that, you know, you see some signs of like autism and things like that, that, you know, that no matter what, um, people are still saying, Hey, you know, what does a speech therapist do sometimes? I feel like, so well, <laughs> I don't if, know. if nothing, that's you... a good way to like summarize it. But. Yeah. I think that's forever and ever. We're going to have to explain to yeah. people what we do, but yeah. I mean, if nothing you, um, adaptable is a word I would use to describe you because that's, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like you had to do a lot of quick thinking on your feet and I'm sure that's helped you professionally even up to this point. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a good skill to have, um, you know, to not be too entrenched into one way of doing something. I think that travel therapy, whether it's domestic or international, like definitely makes you, um, like have to gain those skills in some way, you know, you have to kind of like go in and observe and like kind of figure out your environment and then, you know, go from there and, and what do I have to work with or what, what don't I have to work with and, you know, find people to work with at the same time too. Cause I mean, most of these things you're still collaborating, um, to a high level with, with other colleagues and, and everything. Gotcha. Now I have one, uh, I'm just curious, do, because the healthcare and how it's funded is very different, you know, for example, in Australia, do you have productivity requirements over there? No, there's oh. no, yeah, no mention People are of... salivating. <laughs> I, know, right? I, am, I am salivating for them. Right. I know. Well, because, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's just such a different, at least when I was there. And, and, you know, of course, now that was like over 10 years ago. So who knows? Maybe it's changed. But, um, yeah, like, that's the thing. You can go about your day. And, um, and I think that, to me, what it also... Cause I was, a, you know, I'm a less experienced person in the medical setting. Like that was really my first, only my, what I'd been in out of school two years. So it was like my third year being a speech therapist. And I had mostly done the school setting before I went over to Australia. And I really feel like taking those pressures off, um, really opened up to some really good like mentorship that I saw over there, like, um, they always had a lead therapist. And then like, I was, um, not a lead therapist at that point. I was, I I don't know what the term was that they called me, but like a junior, like almost therapist, but you're still, you know, making your salary and everything. But like the lead therapist was like your mentor. And like, as I was starting to get more into having to do like modifieds and do reports for that, your lead person would always come with you. And, you know, you're, you're basically like going through a whole process with them to get almost like that certification. Um, within the hospital that, you know, then, then eventually you would be more independent, but even the lead therapist, a lot of times they would still have a secondary come and do modifieds with them just as like an assistance. And you didn't necessarily have to worry like, Oh, we're billing for like the same patient because you're not billing. You're just doing your job. Like, 
<laughs> you know, we didn't have to think like, oh, insurance isn't going to like cover both of our visits or something like that. So, oh um, you know, amazing. that was really nice. And, and it gave world. us time, like we did, you know, like article studies, you would have tea breaks together with the doctors or with each other and, you know, really look at research and, and things like that too. So, you know, if I was a medical therapist, I'd want to go back there. Like, and you know, it's hard for me to maybe want to go into a medical setting in the U.S. sometimes, just when I think back on my experience there, I guess. I know. I think it would be hard for you to go now after what you've experienced. I mean, it almost sounds like you were able to basically have on-the-job training, which just doesn't really have here. I mean, they expect you to show up and and be prepared and ready to go. And so that's incredible. Which I think is like a fallacy within our field, you know, like we're trained so broadly. And like I said, people can jump between different like ages, different, you know, settings. And yet you're supposed to be an expert in everything. And I feel like there's a lot of times in the U S at least, you know, like it's, it's hard to like find a place that maybe, Hey, you know, yes, I am a trained therapist, but I, you know, there's still things I need to work on in that mentorship, I guess, um, piece. So. Yeah. It sounds like it's, was a great learning experience professionally, but also I'm sure personally, a lot of growth throughout traveling to all of these places independently. Um, <laughs> what would you say is the most important lesson you learned from working abroad? Um, I think it's that, yeah, that piece of like, um, be flexible and, um, I guess also just that be open, like, um, airport Zen is also like something I think I've learned. This is just kind of like, you know, just when traveling or, 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 um, you know, taking on these like, uh, big flights or whatever, like you just kind of have to, to look to the airport gods and be like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I made it here. I'm going to get where I need to go. And it may not be, you know, exactly how I pictured it, but it's going to happen. And I also think that it takes time like to settle into the places, you know, I know when I moved to Germany from like the Marshall islands, it, I was like not happy the first, you know, winter, basically it was a big change, but you know, I stuck with it. Like it definitely takes some grit or perseverance. Um, and you know, it, it ended up, amazing things happened to me there. You know, I met my husband and, you know, I like saw so much of the world. I, you know, so I think it's just that, yeah, sometimes you have to have a lot of grit, but it it does work out. Yeah. And we work a lot with, you know, new grads here Mm and in our, in our work and everything you just said, I, I, that is what I want them to understand more than anything. Like just you know, it sounds like you gained so many wonderful, just, you know, life skills along with professional skills when you were abroad. I mean, being flexible, being adaptable, having that grit, realizing what's in your control and what's out of your control. I mean, that, I feel like if you kind of have a grasp on those things, it's just, you're going to, your life is going to be so much easier for you um, and less stressful. Yeah, I think, and I think it just like helps you 
even with like your therapy and your patients and you know, like that you can't control everything. <laughs> Cause I think like sometimes each, you know, we want to like, you know, like, I don't know, be like able to, to help everything or to, to touch every aspect. And sometimes you have to like take a little step back and be like, this is the time I have. And <laughs> this is what I can do too. Um, so, I mean, I think that, yeah, that being able to, to kind of take a t- step back sometimes and just, I don't know, it, it does help or yeah. It's very sage know. advice. Very <laughs> sage. And, and but a lot of, oh, there's sorry. always moments, but <laughs> no, nobody's perfect, right? We're all human, but it's yeah. like, again, everything you just said, it just sums up. It's like, oh, if I could just, you know, take that information and put it into this, the, you know, someone who's just starting out in this career's yeah. head, I would, that would be it. I would just, you know. Yeah. Well, I think like the grad school can only prepare you for so much. I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, coming like right out of school and, you know, there's just things that like, I feel like even in grad school that they don't, you know, like if I had known how much paperwork, you know, like that I stepped into like mid contract, you know, when I started my CF at a school in Texas, um, you know, I, there's things that, no matter what clinical setting you're in or what research setting or grad school setting, it's hard to, to, um, to start with, I think as a therapist, like they, you, things, a lot of things are expected of you, even as a CF, like the mentorship and things like that aren't always there. Um, so, yeah. And I feel like what I'm hearing from you is that even though this is your perspective now, it still felt like a lot when you got started. However, mm-hmm. over time you gain these skills and, you know, coping and flexibility and all of this stuff. And that happens for all of us therapists. And so it's okay to give yourself permission in the beginning to feel a little overwhelmed, but to trust that you, it will get better and that you will be able to gain perspective over time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It made me think about something I used to think all the time when I got out of school. It's like, I feel like I majored in paperwork and minor in speech pathology. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. right. and, and no matter what the setting. So, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of our listeners are travel therapists that are within mm-hmm. the States. And so that's a common concern is, how am I going to meet people? I'm going to be by mm-hmm. myself. So what are some ways that you were able to create support system or meet people when you're in uh, other countries? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously like coworkers that always um, has been a good outlet um, for me. Um, I was going to say, let's see, the Marshall Islands, um, it's just such a small community that you like, it's, it was hard not to like. I guess, meet people because yeah, like you're just biking down the street and they're there or you're eating in like the, um, chow hall and, and they're there. Um, so it's, it's just a different type of, um, community, I guess. Uh, Germany, it took a lot, it took longer. Um, you know, there, like, uh, I was living in off base and people are more spread out within that community. Um, but you know, definitely coworkers once again, um, And of course now, you know, there's even more like the internet, like, you know, I met my husband there online dating. Um, I was going to say how else, I mean, it's just also like being willing to like put yourself out there, um, you know, like to go to a festival and maybe you don't, you know, know the person you're going with, like 
like you're not BFFs with them, but you're going to go and you're going to like travel and have that experience. Um, so, you know, maybe you don't always make like your best friends first, but there's definitely, you know, I think a lot of times in international, um, communities, like people that are still willing to like go out and, and do things with you and go places, um, and give you that support initially a lot of times too, like, um, you know, a colleague like picked me up at the the airport and things like that. So, I mean, I think like looking back on it now, like I probably should have been even like leaned on those people even a little bit more, but at the time I was probably a little more nervous and like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get a handle on this myself. Um, <laughs> but now I look back and I'm like, Oh yeah, you know, like they're there and they're wanting to welcome you and, and, to, you know, take in those experiences probably even more. Um, if you do have a community that's already like lived there for a while or, you know, been there for a while. It's amazing. I just love kind of this theme of just getting out there and being open to experiences. And I think that a lot of our travelers do find that, that one, you know, you said using the internet, like looking at Facebook events near you Mm -hmm. or, you know, going to meetups and things like that. And just being open to the idea that it's okay if you're going by yourself or not with your best friend for life, Mm -hmm. but that it's someone and who knows who you'll meet. Right. That's the thing. Like maybe you didn't go with your best friend, but you meet your best friend at the wine festival after you've had four drinks. Who knows? <laughs> you know, like there's just it's a great example. If you or you know, there's also like things that I did later in life where I'm like, that was probably a little dangerous. Like, you know, I flew and I met some random guy in Italy or whatever. And, you know, it was totally platonic, but like that was kind of crazy like maybe don't do that, but (laughs) be open, but watchful. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, it worked out, but I'm not going to say that's a good advice. Like, you know, (laughs) so Harry, you have just been on the most wonderful adventure through the world. Where Mm -hmm. do you think is next for you? Um, well, right now, you know, home is family. So, you know, I'm 14 month old son and, um, my husband, you know, we ended up moving back to the States because he's stationed in, um, Davis Mothin in Tucson, Arizona. So right now it's, it's Arizona, you know, we're going to make the most of our time here and, and explore the, the, the West, I guess, you know, a lot of our family is from the Midwest and, um, the East coast. So, you know, we're enjoying, uh, learning all the different type of cacti and, um, you know, what rocks not to climb or, or how much water to take with us. We've made that mistake coming from Germany. Where the um, snakes live, where yeah, to check, you got to mm-hmm. check your shoes for scorpions, yeah. right? Do you guys so, do you and, have to do that? And, yeah. And in terms <laughs> of my career, you know, um, hopefully going to be starting to do some teletherapy, um, which, you know, maybe one, if I ever move abroad again, maybe I could do that, um, as an option as well. And yeah, so just, just settling still more in Arizona for right now, but yeah. I would love to have you back on after you are traveling abroad with your family, because <laughs> I think that 
would be awesome. And I know that other people would love to hear how you do that as well. So yeah, it has been wonderful to chat with you. Yes. This is your, it's really an inspiration of, I think a lot of people dream about doing what you're doing, but don't necessarily know or have the tools to go after it. And so I'm so grateful that you're here today to kind of shine some light on what it's like to be an international travel SLP. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I think it's still, the internet's probably still your best tool. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. The future has arrived. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carrie. We really appreciate your time. I know that you've, I've learned a lot from you and I'm sure that our listeners have as well. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. And, you know, hopefully I will get that um, travel with the family piece going eventually. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bye, Carrie. Thank you. Thanks. And if you'd like to get in touch with us at the podcast, send us an email at slpfulldisclosure at gowithadvanced.com. And each episode's show notes are available at the website, gowithadvanced.com backslash SLP full disclosure. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to get the latest updates. And if you want to give us a little shout out, make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread the word. Also, special thanks to Jonathan Carey for producing this episode and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. And as always, this episode was powered by Advanced Travel Therapy. See you next time. Mm -hmm.